I feel incredibly impassioned by the, uh, the service so far and uh, thanks to the guys for leading us so well and, you know, just feel prophetically speaking into the, the life of the church and I, I, feel, I feel ministered to actually, I feel like I could pretty much close the Bible and just, uh, just leave, it at, leave it at that and you may say, well, why don't we? Well, because I feel I've got something to just share on the, on the back of that. And normally we, we run through a series. We, uh, Phil and I just take time to pray and just work through. It's not just we're flicking through the Bible and just thinking, well, what, I wonder what we should do today. I wonder, we, we're very clear in terms of where we, want to, where we want to go and what we feel that God is leading us into. And we, by God's grace, have, have sought over this past year to begin to lay foundations to dig deep because we want to build tall. Uh, but these next two that I have to share, Phil just said, well, just share your heart. Well, that's fatal, giving me no particular subject matter. But um, I've been very, very clear in terms of what I wanted to share this evening. So I wonder if you've got a Bible, if you just turn with me to Numbers and chapter 13. Uh, interestingly, Phil has been away for the, uh, for the week. Um, ministering into the Assemblies of God Bible School at Mattersea. And uh, I understand that over the course of that week, all the national team were there, and their um, subject matter was lifting lids from lives, breaking through lim- uh, limitations. And it's quite interesting that he said that to me. I made no real comment to him, but it's something that I've been really working through in my own, in my own heart and in my own life, and personally, and also looking at the context of arena, arena church that we're involved in. And also in my own private uh, devotional times, I've been looking at passages that I believe are, are just very inspirational in this whole theme. So over the next two Sundays that I am going to be here and sharing with you, I'm going to be talking through the whole thing of lifting lids from our life, lifting limits from our lives, endeavoring by God's grace to break through into something fresh and something new and um, it is interesting particular preachers have a certain subject that they run to for whatever reason they just they're very comfortable in this in this whole thing and I just at times have have just looked at my ministry and have gone across my notes over the last I guess 20 years that I've been preaching God's word and there are there are certain there are certain themes that run through my life there's no doubt about it and this would be one of them. Just a whole thing of breaking through and just pushing into something. And whether it's just my personality, I don't know. I'd like to think it's more than that. I'd like to think that God is actually stirring something in me. And if I can be a blessing to the body of Christ in this, then that would be exceptional. And so we're going to look at, you know, just breaking through into something and just lifting limits from our lives. So I just want to use this as a basis for the next two times that we're together and then what I'm going to do I'm going to look at three separate situations to make one point tonight if that's okay so let's read shall we from numbers and chapter 13 are you still with me fantastic so here here it says in in verse um we'll just go from verse 31 and 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 the background to it is the spies have been sent out they bring back an awesome report 
They say it's flowing, the land is flowing with milk and honey. It's a great land. It's a better place to, to go into. It really is the land that God says it was and that Moses says it was, said it was. But unfortunately, there were 10 people there who then began to spread a bad report amongst the group. Because they were making statements like, you know, it's too big for us. It's too great for us. We, how, can, how can we make a difference in that, in that nation? How can we break through the giants that are in the land? And we pick the story up. Uh, let's read from verse 1. But the men who had gone up with them said, we can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread amongst the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. They said, the land we explore devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. Verse 33 says, we saw the Nephilim there. The the descendants of Anak come from the Nephilim. And then they made this statement that those who were well versed in the Bible, you'll be familiar with these few verses that I'm just about to share. It says there, we seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes. And we look the same to them. I'm incredibly challenged by those statements that, are, that, that I've just read there. Because they were, they were, they were uh, closing the lid on their leadership. They were closing the lid on the purposes of God. They were actually saying there's no way we can go in to this land because we like grasshoppers. Now there weren't grasshoppers, there were human beings. And the reality is there would be a, some big guys amongst them. But they weren't all full of giants. They weren't all descendants of it, but they lifted, they put lids on their lives and on their leaderships. I want to say that if we're not careful, that even in this early start of our, of our church journey here, we will put lids on what God can do. We will limit God. We will say, well, it's not possible for, as Phil's prayed and prophesied tonight, for hundreds and thousands to come to faith. When has that ever happened? How can that happen? Do you not know the history, Phil, of Mansfield? Do you not know all the issues? And by those statements, we put in limits and lids upon what God wants to do amongst us. I don't want to go jump to week two, but all I do want to say, as a result of the 10 spies, they had to wait 40 years and many of them couldn't go in. And not even the leader could get them to where they needed to go. Moses, this powerful leader, could not go into the land. Those 10 spies limited what God wanted to do. Now there's three situations that I want to look at tonight that I believe will help us as we address limits that are put in our lives. Limits that we, that we put there and God is wanting to break through but we keep putting walls, we keep putting walls there. And God is trying to do all that he can do but we keep running to these things. And the first one is found in Genesis in chapter 19. I want you to just turn with me if you will. Genesis in chapter 19, it's an interesting story because there was so much immorality in this, in this city, Sodom and Gomorrah, that God has basically said, I'm very frustrated with it to the point where I'm going to destroy it because of the sinfulness that is there. It's just immoral. It's like a stench to me. I can't believe the people are doing these things. And Abraham catches 
uh, not wind of it. He, he, just, he just hears about this and he begins to plea before God and, 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 and just bring his requests. And many of you know, if there's 50 righteous people, we say, yeah, for 50, I'll save it. And then and the, the numbers start coming down. Well, in that city, there was a couple by the name of, sorry, there was a couple and their husband, the husband's name was Lot. And we pick the story up in Genesis and chapter 19. Basically, God then sends judgment on that city. And there were angels that came down in verse 15. And they urged Lot, hurry, take your wife and your two daughters who are here. Or they'll be swept away when the city is punished. And notice the language, Lot hesitated. And the men grasped his hand and the hands of his wife and of his two daughters and led them safely out of the city for the Lord was merciful to them. And as soon as he brought them out, one of them said, listen to this language, flee for your lives, don't look back. And don't stop anywhere in the plain, flee to the mountains or you will be swept away. We need to then pick up the story because they went along and they left the city and God, in his judgment, brought fire upon that city. And verse 26 says this, but Lot's wife looked back. Let me just make my first statement. If we are going to live without limits... We mustn't be people that look back. If you're taking notes, just write on there, don't look back. Well, you say, Christian, what am I, what what are you meaning? Well, let me just go through some things. Your past is just that, in your past. That's why it's called the past. That was quite profound. Regrets, I've had a few. Failures, many. Mistakes, too many to count. Embarrassments, I wouldn't want to even go there. But they are all in the past. But are they? Are they with you? You see, with God they are. God actually takes our failure and our mistakes and our sins and our embarrassments and he actually takes hold of those and he says, you know what, I'm just going to wash you clean. My blood poured out for you makes you clean. You're a free person. And he's freed us up. And he's made us free. And you're free indeed. But we look back. Don't look back. If you keep looking back to where you once were or to the thoughts that invaded your heart, I'm telling you, you will live in your past and not in your present and not in your future. There are too many Christians who are looking back. Too many people looking back. But Christian, you don't know how I live my life. No, I don't. That is absolutely true. But God says it is in the past. If you want to live without limits, 
and you want to live with a sense of purpose that we've heard about tonight and destiny, we must not be people that keep looking back. I'm absolutely convinced over my life and over my leadership here, in personally now, not, not in regards to the church, there, are, there is going to be a, a number of things that will limit me, and this is one of them. If I keep looking back, even to successes now, because we've, we've majored really on negatives, but there are some people here who've done some amazing things. You've, you've, you've conquered, you've, 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 you've done well in, in exams, you've done well with family, you've done, you've done well in life. You've got the, the car, you've got the career, you've got the kids, you've got the house, you've got the foreign holidays, and you think everything's fantastic. But I want to tell you, that is not where we need to be resting in, because God has got something in the future for us. And some people live in the victories, and they just celebrate the past victories and the past successes, and all that God did, but guess what? It's all in the past. I'm brilliant at this, going into churches or wherever it is, that there may have been a great future in a church and they did great things, but I'll quickly say to them, guys, that's in the past. Even the good things that happened in the church, it's all in the past. The building that we put up arena in Ilkeston, that was eight years ago. That's now in the God's got a new building for us. We rejoice in the building and we thank God for the building. But if we keep living in, oh, wasn't it great when we opened that building? Oh, it was fantastic. And, you know, and some people live there. Don't look back. There's some skeletons in some of our cupboards. They need to be left there. Why have we all gone incredibly quiet? I don't think the skeletons need to come out of the cupboard. I think you need to give your skeletons to Jesus and Jesus will bury those skeletons. They're in the past. Stop bringing up the skeletons. Stop bringing up those rattling bones. Leave them where they are. God was basically saying here, I don't want you looking back because I have a future for you. For you. And these guys, Lot, wasn't particularly, and his wife and the family weren't particularly living a nice life. But he wanted to bring them into a great future. You might be here tonight saying, well, Christian, I'm still not getting it right. I'm still not living right. I want to say, tonight, give it all to God. Say, God, this is it for me. I'm no longer going back to that stuff. I'm no longer living in that stuff. I'm giving it all to you. And God says, you have a great future. You have a great future in Jesus' name. We need to see the new things of God that he has planned for our life. How quickly we trot out verses in the church. How quickly we trot them out. And we have no application to our lives. Isaiah 43. See the plans that I have for you declares the Lord. Yes? Is, is that, yeah, I'm, no, I'm doing a new thing, isn't it? Sorry. I want to do a new thing. Isaiah 43. I'm doing a new thing, says the Lord. And we trot verses out like that. Yeah, it's doing a new thing. But we don't live in it. God is wanting to do a new thing. Forget the former things, the things of the past. I am doing a new thing. We need to live in the new thing of God. We need to look at those new horizons. We need to believe for better days. I've been working through the book of 
Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. Oh, God help me. I've hated Leviticus. And now I'm in numbers. And what I've been intrigued about, Anne and Neil kindly bought, brought me a, a, a great book and I've thoroughly enjoyed it to, to the point where I've just told everybody it's probably one of the best books that I've read. I, 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 I won't even put a, a time scale on it. It's so amazing whether it's where I'm at. And it's been helpful because I've actually been working through some of the, 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 the story of, of the children of Israel. And one thing that I've been fascinated about is with the children of Israel, that they were so ungrateful. They were in slavery for 430 years, I believe, or certainly 400 odd years. And Moses, the stammering, stuttering, you know, leader who really didn't want to be the leader, who then says, let my people go, and the people come out. And we all know the story. There's amazing things that begin to happen because he strikes the Red Sea and the parters, the waters part and they walk through. And Pharaoh's lost and all his chariots and whatever. And then they're in this desert that was only meant to be a land between. That's all it was. It wasn't a permanent resting place. It was just a land between. And what I find incredible about these people is, bearing in mind they were in slavery, it was wicked slavery. But yet we hear them making statements in Exodus and Numbers to Moses, mumbling and groaning. And if you've got to read on from where we've just read to Numbers 14, we had everything we wanted to eat in Egypt. Why have you brought us out of here to die? What we used to have in Egypt was melons and garlics and fine foods. What were they doing? They were looking, they were looking back. Friends, if I can encourage us tonight to not be people that look back, no matter how bad or how good it was, God has got something different and something fresh for us. I make this statement here, our future is bigger than our present. But for us to enter into this future, we must identify identify those areas that will keep us small. And this is one of them, if we will continue to look back. Let me move on quickly, because I want to just take us to another situation in the, in the scripture. So if you just turn with me to Acts and chapter 5, are you still with me this evening? Are you enjoying yourself? Okay, I, I, I mean I'm thoroughly enjoying myself, so I'm just going to keep going. But Acts chapter 5, and we see a story in the scriptures here, and again before we read it, There's just some amazing things that are taking place at this time. This early church that are just finding their feet. And some wonderful things have taken place over the last few months. Because there's been outstanding salvations. I mean, 3,000 people on one day committing their life to Jesus Christ. How awesome is that? And then they decide beyond that that they're not just... People who've just lifted their hand, they say, we're really committed to this, so we want to live in community. We want to live in relationship. So they start devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the word of God, to breaking of bread, to fellowship, and to prayer. And God does some outstanding things amongst them as they're meeting in homes, and as they're going to the temple courts, to the point where there's just fabulous miracles taking place. 
Acts chapter 3, the beggar at gate, beautiful. And then there's some terrific things as you go through just that early part of the book of Acts. I mean, the whole book of Acts is just an amazing account. But those early, early chapters are just quite fantastic. And one of the things that marked the early Christians was their willingness to give their excessive possessions to the poor. So let's pick up the story, shall we? Because there's two characters who were converts in this new church in Jerusalem. And their names are Ananias and Sapphira. And it says, now a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira. Also, that's because there were many people previously. They sold a piece of property. And with his wife's full knowledge, he kept back. He kept back part of the money for himself. But brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. You've got to read on the rest of the story because it's, it's riveting. It's riveting. Should we, should we continue to read a little bit more? Let's read it and then we'll make the points because this isn't my point here. And then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you've lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? That you have not lied to men, but to God. He was basically saying, how foolish are you? God sees everything. You're not lying to me, you're lying to God. And when Ananias heard this, he fell down and died. That's great publicity for your church, isn't it? That's how to build your church. Hey? Isn't that, think about it for a moment. Isn't that just a great way of God building the church? Well, thanks a lot, God. Is you can imagine the early apostles, thanks a lot. We're trying to grow it and you're killing them. Verse 6, then the young men came forward, wrapped up his body and carried him out and buried him. About three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Peter asked her, tell me, is this the price you and Ananias got for the land? Yes, she said, this is the price. Peter said to her, how could you agree to test the spirit of the Lord? Look, the feet of the men who buried your husband are at the door and they will carry you out also. At that moment, she fell down dead at his feet and died. People talk about revival. We were with Josh last night, a few of us, and I I met him on Thursday. He often talks about revival. This is revival, Josh. This is the cost of revival. This is the cost of revival. Because God won't be, I was going to use the word fiddled around and faffed around. This is the cost of it. But my point is this, because I'll go off, if I'm not careful, I'll go off script, and that will be fatal for us tonight. The first thing that I said was, don't look back. The second thing I want to say is this, don't keep back. Don't keep back. Get it? Verse 2, with his wife's full knowledge, he kept back. I want to say our call here... And your call as an individual, and my call as an individual, and our call as a church is to live big lives. You might be like Julie is, she's barely five foot and probably eight stone if she's wet through. Uh, And I hope I haven't offended you by saying, because she might be less than that, but anyway, let's not go there. 
So, I'm just picking on her. She's one of the smallest around here. I thought I'd leave Josh alone, although he's pretty small for a bloke as well, but that's just... Oh, is that on podcast? I am sorry. Our call is to live big lives. Lives that serve, that give, that help, that bless others. You see, Jesus didn't come to be served, but to serve. And to give his life as a ransom for many. The issue with Ananias and Sapphira, and we've got it this, this evening, wasn't the fact that they withheld us, the fact that they tried to make out that they were giving everything, but actually they were keeping back. And they tried to get, make out that they were giving more than they actually were. I wonder what we're keeping back tonight. We, for, the, for those who were at the, um, the Ilkeston um, campus, and that sounds a bit grand, but that's what we're going to try and call them, Mansfield and Ilkeston, because we believe in for, bo- for growth for both. One thing I want to encourage you guys here who come on a Sunday night, and those who are new amongst us, I hope you've, you've sensed it tonight. I am so, so proud and thrilled of you guys, how you've approached this. It's just amazing. I have never... I have never been in a pioneering situation like this, I have to be honest, and I've been in a few, not loads, but I've been in a few. The atmosphere is electric, people are pumped, they're ready to go, there's no sense of holding back or keeping back in your worship, it's fantastic. I want to applaud you. Again tonight, you just, when we've just had a few musicians, or there's been 50 of us, we had a couple of weeks, it wasn't, the attendance wasn't as great, but still people were rocking and rolling and going for it, it was fantastic. But I was aware of when we was in Ilkeston, and, and the Ilkeston church, and those, some, some do both, it's, it's a great church if you've ever been across. It really is. We thank God for all that God is doing. There's things that need to change. We're not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. But I was talking with the staff and just said to them, you know, one of the things I was a little bit concerned about, that Mansfield, we weren't keeping back, but Ilkeston, we were. There was a sense in which in worship we weren't being, you know, in it. There were some people were, but we want everybody in it. The reason why I'm saying that this morning, that's why I did what I did. I said, Kev, get that electric guitar. That's what I said. I said, and let it rip. There were some traditional types. Phil was right. They, they, the religious demons were jumping all over the building, actually. It was, it was incredible. You could see people getting jittery. Just the, this kind of stuff. It was just brilliant. And to see some of you guys who are in this morning just really going for it. It was just amazing. You see, even in our worship, we can keep back. That's why I asked you the question. I wonder what you're keeping back from the Lord. I'm not talking about financial now. I'm talking about what are you keeping back for the Lord? That you say, well, that's yours, God, but that's mine. Some of you ladies are brilliant with this, aren't you, with chocolates? You hand the chocolates out. No, come on. You hand the chocolates out. My mother's one of the best with the Thorntons can have those, but there's already ones that have been, because she's keeping those back because they're hers. I wonder what we're keeping back. I wonder what we're keeping back. I wonder what we're keeping back from the Lord. Because the Lord is looking for us to give everything. What do you have to give? You have your talent. You have your mind. You have your money. You have your possessions. 
One thing I'm intrigued about and just so excited about is Zacchaeus. What did he do? As soon as he, 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 was, he, he had an experience of God and he knew that Jesus was the Messiah, he said, you know, if I've ripped anybody off, I'm going to give it all. I'm going to just give. I'll double back. You know, I'm just, there was no sense of Zacchaeus keeping back. I want to encourage a culture here in the church that when we have to make appeals, like we did last week, I mean, how amazing, 450-odd. Amazing with the King David Medical Center, the money that's just poured in, and we're believing for more, AD to just come in. Everything that you need, we're believing for it. It's just to flow through. Well, I don't ever want to be at the point, or feel at the point, where we're saying, well, guys, will you please come and help us? I have to say, some churches are like that. Well, you're putting this scare to talk about such things on financial matters. Let's not keep back. Let's give everything. Let's give everything. Phil was telling me a story of a pastor who was trying to raise, uh, not trying to raise, but they were, they were involved in some uh, um, new building project. And he felt very, very stirred in his heart. I'm sorry if I'm nicking his story, but it was a good story, so I'll nick it. I'm like that with anything, actually. You tell me and I'll use it. And, uh, but at least I brought some credit to him, where normally I'd say it's my story. But anyway. Um, <laughs> but he had this, he, he, you know, there was, he loved cars. He sold his car, £5,000, an ISA, £5,000 in ISA, got the ISA, 5000 of equity, wasn't it? And then he says, and we're committed to 5000 20 grand from the pastor into the building project. And told, told, there was no sense of keeping back. As a result of that, there was somebody who came to that church that night and says, you're giving 20 I'll give 20 What I'm saying in all that is, we don't want to create a culture where we're holding back and keeping back. Oh, it's mine. No, 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 no. We want to give everything for Jesus, don't we? If we want to create revival, if we want to create this community that we see about in the book of Acts, we want to give everything. So don't keep back. And lastly, I wonder if you'd just turn with me to Hebrews and chapter 11. Hebrews and chapter 11. I've heard Phil say this many, many times and it's just... Has a great understanding of the book of Hebrews, does Phil. And there were obviously Jews who had converted to Christianity, to the way. And it was written to them to just encourage them in their faith. And some of them were felt like they wanted to just pull back. And we'll pick the story up in Hebrews in chapter 10 and verse 35. You do well to mark these in your Bible because these words have really encouraged me at times when I felt like giving up. And I felt like giving up on many occasions. I'm not talking about giving up on church. I'm talking about just giving up on God. Literally just saying, I've had enough of this. Anybody ever felt like that? Yeah, too many times to mention. And these words have always helped me because it says in verse 35, so do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you'll receive what he has promised. For in just a very little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. But my righteous one will live by faith. And if he shrinks back, I will not be pleased with him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but we are of those who believe And are saved. What's my third and final situation that we're looking at? Not only do we not look back. Not only do we not 
keep back, but neither are we going to be people that shrink back. What does, the, what does it say? It says, if he shrinks back, I will not be pleased with him. And there's some people here who think exactly that. Well, I've just had enough of faith. I'm just, is this thing really real? Is God really real? If you ask questions like that, you're in good company because there's many of us who've thought like that and many of us who sit on leadership and lead churches. There's doubts and in our minds that come out. When people talk to me, and they often do about, well, am I a Christian? I feel like I've, I'll say, just welcome to the club. But I will not throw away my confidence. God is real. God is alive. God is well. He is on the throne. I don't understand what he's doing. That is why it says his ways are not my ways. His thoughts are not my thoughts. I wish his ways were my ways and then the world would work perfectly well. I am joking. (laughs) He says there, if he shrinks back, I will not be pleased with him. If you are thinking about shrinking back tonight of your faith, I want to say that will be the very thing that God will be displeased with. But we are not of those who do that, but we are of those who believe and are saved. You may be tempted to shrink back from the walk of faith and go for an easy journey. God might be actually saying to some of you tonight, I want you to give everything to me and trust me. And you decide to take a step back and to shrink back. I want to say that is, there's no time for God to just... For us to use that argument before God. God is after absolutely everything. He says, I don't want you shrinking back. I don't want you shrinking back in the church. I don't want you shrinking back in your faith. I don't want you shrinking back in your giving. In this time of recession, I don't want you shrinking back, Christian. I want you pushing ahead. I want you to encourage the people to believe that God is going to bless them. I want you to encourage the people that I am still on the throne, that I have got everything sorted. Please do not shrink back. It's easy for us to shrink back. If we want to live with limits, we'll be people that keep looking back, we'll be people that keep back, and we'll be people that shrink back. And we will live with limits over our lives. We'll batten down the hatches. Oh, Jesus, please come back quickly as we batter down the hatches. Come quickly, Jesus. That isn't how Jesus wants us to live. (laughs) I don't hold that view at all. I live with the view that actually when this gospel is preached in all the world, then the end will be. And until that time, we keep pushing ahead with all that we can do. That's why we keep building buildings that we, we're doing. Why we keep doing medical centers in places like Ghana, or AAD. Because whilst we're still here, we have a responsibility to be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. So, we could be tempted to shrink back. I wrote a few things down here. When opportunities arise, and when, sorry, when do opportunities arise? The answer is when we have little resource. Every time. Every time. Have you not realised? Every time you spot a bargain, every time you see something, you've never got the money to go, always the same. And it's the same in church. When we're looking at buildings... When do buildings come? I, am ma- I maintain here in Mansfield, because we have the Bosnian Street and we're going to, and please come and help us, and we're endeavouring to just 
help us to just do some things in the community. We want to get it up and right so the community can use it and do different things. We're looking at a whole uh, scope of things. But you know our hearts. We want a building that's prominent in the town or around that people can see, that can be a resource for other people. When will that time, when we get the building, I can tell you now when we haven't got the money. When we haven't got the money, the building will come. And then God will say, what are you going to do? Are you trusting your money or are you trusting me? And that will be a time when I'll be saying to you guys and to me, are we going to be of those, remember this message, who are going to shrink back or are we going to be of those who believe and are saved? Who's up for an adventure? Oh, there's a few people up for an adventure. Bring it on. Opportunities, buildings, personnel, projects. When do they always come? When we haven't got the thing, the resource to do what we need to do. That is when God says, don't shrink back. Press into all that I have for you. Believe God. Believe God, not the doubters. The doubters you'll always have amongst you. But they'll try and hold you back. I believe that God has much to do and desires to work through people like you and me. Don't shrink back. Don't back off in these areas. Press into the goal. I want to read something. Again, we made mention of this uh, just on Thursday whilst I was with uh, Josh. And it's a, it's a verse. I've got to get it on, on here because uh, it's from the message. The first time I ever heard this probably was about 15 years ago. And Warwick Shenton preached a dynamically brilliant message on this 2 Corinthians 6, and I did ask him for permission if I could use some of his outlines, and I've done that at times, and he's now in glory, dear Warwick. And um, this is what it says in 2 Corinthians in chapter 6, and it's in the message, Peterson's writing. You won't be able to follow it necessarily from your Bibles, it's different, but he says here, Dear, dear Corinthians, let's put our names there, shall we? Dear, dear Arena Church Mansfield. I can't tell you how much I long for you to enter this wide open, spacious life. Wide open, does that sound glorious? Wide open and spacious. We didn't fence you in. The smallness you feel comes from within you. Your lives aren't small, but you're living them in a small way. I'm speaking as plainly as I can and with great affection. And that's how I feel this evening with you guys. And he then concludes by saying, open up your lives, live openly and expansively. I really believe that God's challenge over your life and over my life is that we will not allow any limits to be put before us. We will be people who will lift the lid on our lives. We won't allow ourselves to just stay where we are. We won't say, well, we're just destined to live this way. But we would believe God and his word. That we would not keep looking back. That we would not keep back. And we would not shrink back. But we would live open and expansive lives to the praise of God. 
and glory of his name. Is anybody with me tonight? I wonder if we'd stand to our feet.